0: Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows that we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be the chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, under bed storage and other solutions That help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit Ikea to explore more. You can't afford mess. So Ikea makes storage affordable. Hiring is hard. Express Employment Professionals makes it easy. Forget about posting jobs, sifting through resumes, being ghosted, and interviewing unqualified applicants. Visit expresspros.com to let the pros help you. Express Employment Professionals is your full-service workforce solution, connecting you with top talent fast. With more than 40 years in the staffing business, Express helps thousands of companies find great team players each year, and they can help you too. Go to expresspros.com to find the location near you. Okay. Hey guys. So I already recorded an intro for what is going to go down on today's episode with Lisa from The Well Necessities. That's her Instagram handle, at The Well Necessities. She was in town last week and we did this amazing interview with a therapist that specializes in disordered eating. So we were taping our new series that is coming out in April called Outweigh. It'll be live here on this podcast. But as we We're doing the interviews. We're like, whoa, this is so good. We should actually make it its own thing separate. And it can be like an introduction to it'll introduce y'all to what what the series is going to be like. So that's that's today's thing. And then so we just we did an intro together. But that was last week before life really, really got weird. Like life is just very strange right now with COVID-19 and, you know, coronavirus, the whole thing which that's the same thing, by the way, but some people call it, you know, just in case you call it one thing, I'll I'll, I'll give it, I'll say both of its names. So I just want to encourage all of you that are, you know, trying to take this day by day, just like the rest of us, but we're all experiencing it differently. Like I know some of you have more anxiety than others. Some of you maybe are stressing, you have no idea where your next paycheck is going to come from, there's a lot of unknowns. We don't know how long we're going to be in this. And there's some of you that may be disconnected from loved ones. Like I personally can't see my dad and I may not get to for months. And that's really hard. Um, more so, but, but but my dad has a healthy perspective on it. So that that's, makes me feel a lot better because I do worry about him. Now, while he's living in an assisted living home and, you know, had cancer, has you know, he's immunocompromised. So I do worry about his safety and I can't be there to help control it, but he's confined to his little room apartment thingy. And I worry about him, you know, sinking into some sort of depression, but luckily the people that work there are amazing and they're going in and checking on him. And I know he's at a great place, but I know some of you listening, you may not be able to have contact with a loved one Uh, right now. And that's just for their safety. So we just have to know that this is just for a time. And while we don't know how long, um, we just need to do the best that we can to be responsible, um, to take care of ourselves and to take care of others. Now, there's so many, there's elderly that are a concern. I think of that just because of my mom, but there's so many different people that need help right now. And, you know, here in Nashville, we're, we're only a few weeks out from the tornado that hit. And we were trying to fundraise and figure out ways to help with that. And there are a few families that were helping directly here in Nashville. And, you know, the tornado thing totally set them back and they were homeless. But we've been able to get them in apartments. But the the wives or the moms, well, one of them's a single mom. They had jobs at a restaurant. Well, now because of coronavirus, the restaurant has shut down, and they don't have work. So it's just, it's like, God, for some people, it's just one blow after the next, and it's really hard. And so if you just have different ways to support either the elderly in your community or people that you know are in the service industry, or however, if you know of anybody whose job has been affected, like if you have a way to share something with them, even if it's just you know, a text checking on them, something Positive, they can focus on, uh, or you have actual goods in your house that might be of use to them. You can share that with them. Or monetarily, what does that look like for you? Everybody's resources are differently. You may have more to give than other people. Can you, you know, buy gift cards right now? Can you? tip extra hard right now if you are getting takeout food from somewhere or you know someone was in the service industry can you venmo some of your friends some money like just don't even ask them about it if you know like something might be hard don't make it awkward and be like hey can I help you out like if you have the extra money you know give it to them like um but I also understand wanting to be you know careful with your funds right now not knowing maybe you have the funds right now but how long are we in this you also have to be responsible there but I think that, you know, a good thing that is going to come out of this is we're already seeing people uniting um, as as a world. I mean, because this isn't just an, a national thing. This is a global thing. So that is what I'm hopeful for when I know it's hard to always look for the good. Um, but that's something that I hope when we come out on the other side of this, we are more united. We are stronger. And similar to what we were talking about when the tornado hit, it was really cool to see people rally together and support no matter gender, race, sexuality, religion. Um, It didn't matter. Like we were helping people. I was watching people help. People and that's what we have to continue to do. Um, Some positive Instagram uh, accounts that have been helping me right now. One is called @upworthy, and I learned about that from my girl Kelly from Velvet's Edge, which you know she's a good friend of mine. Where her her job, she's not in the service industry, but she she's a freelancer. She books gigs. She does hair and makeup for uh, artists and like Bobby, and she does styling. Dirk's Bentley other video shoots around town. Well, everything is halted. Like all of her gigs have been canceled. And so she's like, okay, how, how she's having to be resourceful. How can I get income? What can I do? So, um, she, I know she's going to be working a lot on her podcast, which we're on the same network. And plus she's just my friend. So I want to support her, but at velvet's edge, check out her stuff. She has, if you've got some shopping, you may be want to do while you're bored you can shop using some of her links which would help her but again you have to be wise with your money um she actually just had a financial advisor advisor on her podcast if you want to go listen to it and now's the time where we have to divide into our needs and our wants and i i had justified getting a pair of jeans from her like to know it which would help her even though it's not a it's definitely a want not a need but i also want to help my friend out. And I feel like as her friend, I need to do that. So therefore, I justified buying the jeans. So I mean, stuff like that, like, we'll just all figure it out. And then of course, with the shop Ford, there's a lot of items up right now that are going towards providing food for kids that their schools are shut down. And otherwise, they wouldn't be getting that they get their meals at school. So without school, they're not getting food. So there's a lot of groups set up that are helping out those kids. And like Bobby and Mary put up a shirt called I Washed My Hands because Bobby is a kid that grew up. I mean, he got his meals at school. He grew up very poor and had to rely on that. So when he wasn't in school, he sometimes wasn't eating. So he knows what it's like. So those are some cool shirts that you can buy right now to support Um, our Empowered Women's Fund. Like, oh, I think I'll circle back to some of the women that we're helping here from the tornado relief. I need to still talk to Mary about this, but um, there's a single mom with a six month old baby that was, you, you know, waitress and home street home is working with her because she was left homeless by the tornado to get her into uh, a home. And that that's a woman that we can empower with those shirts. So I think we may uh, we have a em- women's empowerment fund from our shirts that say empowered women Empower women and Stashira did the design work, my daughter, and those are really special. and we'll be able to help people that are just really struggling right now. So if you have the extra funds to so maybe go buy one of those t-shirts or um, you know, grab a gift card to your favorite restaurant that might be shut down right now or your hair salon or something where they're not getting the regular income that they would be getting right now, it's with a gift card. it's kind of like you're floating them alone in a sense. And then you can use that down the line. And so that's just one way to consider. Okay, now I know I mentioned Upworthy. I know I'm all over the place, guys. I'm so sorry. But Upworthy is an account that I'm following on Instagram. And I'm also following goodnews__movement. That's another really great account where they're posting stuff from all over the world. um, That's just positive in this crazy, crazy time. Um, RadioME.com is where you can go for... um, access to anything, the shop Ford or shop Espoir. That's where Pimp and Joy is. I thought I would just remind y'all about that. Four things with Amy Brown at gmail.com is my email. If y'all want to send notes, if you have ideas on how we can be helping people, let me know. I was talking to my sister last night. She owns a coffee shop. They're having to really cut back because I mean they have baristas, but I mean, she lives in a mountain town. A lot of people rely on the ski resort, and then there are other jobs. A lot of people in Tourist type towns have multiple jobs, and tourism there is basically it was spring break, so it should have been a booming and bumping time for them, and it's just not. So there's a real struggle there. So my sister is a business owner. She's like, shoot, how can I keep my employees on or keep them getting some sort of a paycheck? And so she's having to get creative, and she's coming up with more online sales to sell her coffee. Um, she's putting together cute little bundles where you can order it. So. Her website is RootHouseCo.com. If you want to, you know, if you need coffee, maybe buy it from Root House and support that. Um, but really, I mean, I'm just giving you things that I know of in, in my life. But you, this is also just an encouragement. doesn't mean you have to go do it. It's just encouragement to look around and see how you can help in your community or where can you choose to spend your money right now that will make um, a difference for people. So uh, I don't even know. I'm all over the place. But I think trying to remain as positive as possible as we can, like, I feel like this is a time where I'm super thankful for social media. Sometimes social media gets a bad rap because it's like, well, there's just so much negativity out there. Well, yeah, there is a lot of negativity out there. But I tell you right now, for me, social media, people are sitting at home and they are getting creative and they're making funny videos and the memes are like gold, like content creation right now is pretty impressive on social media. So that's it. Actually, if you're following the right people, it can be a happy place for you. But there's also, I think, appropriate times where you probably need to put down your phone and make sure that if you can get outside and go for a walk, you're going for a walk, practicing social distancing, of course. But um, if you can do a workout class from home, which some people were asking how I was working out. Um, well, shout out Bobby for getting me a Peloton treadmill for Christmas over a year ago because or not this last Christmas more than four, because that I feel super blessed to have that. But I know a lot of people don't have a treadmill in their house. But um, there's, you know, YouTube videos. I love yoga with Adrian on YouTube. Tracy Anderson has YouTube stuff uh, uploaded. I love doing both of those workouts. And then Erin Opria, my trainer, she has an app called Pretty Muscles. You could download her app, it's super cheap. And you could, you, if you can't go to the gym right now, you can work out from home and her workouts are doable they're for everybody. And, um, again, that's called pretty muscles with Erin Opria. I'm just trying to think of random things that are popping in my head. I really had no plan when I hopped on here to record this intro to my intro. <laughs> Cause again, I have another intro coming up with Lisa and you'll see that this episode is going to be very different. It's not even four things. You'll hear why when I'm talking with Lisa, But, um, yeah, just focus on positivity and that includes who you're following, what you're consuming, get a book, take a bath, gosh, to all you moms out there that are, you know, having to play teacher right now, uh, or like it's, and probably work from home and still get your work done, moms and dads, it's crazy town. I'm sure because we also don't know when is the end of this. I feel like when you know, okay, this is just 2 weeks, I can do this, but we honestly don't know. So that's super fun. My kids will be back and they're going to start their distance learning at their school. So, I think on March 24th is when spring break is officially over and distance learning will begin. And so, we're just going to have to put on all the hats and do all the things and, you know, come up with fun Activities and games—it really could be amazing family bonding time too. And then if you have FaceTime, make sure you're still interacting and connecting with you know friends and family, so you don't lose that, so you don't feel isolated or get down. Um, maybe next week, I'll, my four things episode will be about you know what to watch on Netflix, what to read, what to what audio books to download. But honestly, if what if, what if we lose power and we don't have any of that? We need to start prepping for actual real books that maybe you could read, get batteries for flashlights. And this isn't me being, I'm not freaked out by any means. I don't think it will come to that, but also let's just be responsible and rational and be a little bit prepared. Maybe you need to get some puzzles uh, and games that you can play with your family that aren't dependent upon, you know, electronics. Maybe it's a time to, to step away. I think that Social media, again, really great right now, especially all the lives that people are doing. If you follow, I know in my world, the country music community, if you follow some artists on Instagram right now, they're doing live concerts from their house and it's super cool. So, you know, shout out to anybody that's, you know, using their platform to spread love and joy because music is that music is healing and it can be therapeutic. So just make sure What you're bringing in when you are online is positive. Get rid of the negative because we don't have time for that at all. And then, um, yeah, but also don't make, because we have not, because our, our days are different and our time is different, don't get too sucked into online you need to remember to step away from that. And still, like I I follow Annie Downs and she's a friend of mine. She's been on the podcast before and she is in legit quarantine by the health department because she was in contact with someone that tested positive for COVID-19. So, you know, she is, you know, getting up every day, doing her makeup, putting on her clothes. She has a COVID-19 bucket list. She's trying to check things off every day and be as productive and normal as possible. And I feel like that could be really helpful. I mean, maybe some of you legit just do need a good day in bed to rest and try to process some of this. Do that, but don't get stuck there. Um, you know, get up, get going. Let's try to be as normal as possible. I think Bobby and I might start doing the radio show from our houses, which will be crazy, the Bobby Bone show. Uh, been working on trying to get iron out all the kinks and that so that I can be at my house, he's at his house, and then I don't know if like Lunchbox and Eddie may be at the studio, but if it comes down to where our office completely shuts down, then I guess it would just be me and Bobby, but then no one would be here at the board to run the show, but we'll still be able to create content and get it out to you guys. So like Mike D would just do it from his computer at his house. I don't know y'all. Technology is crazy. And we'll, the Bobby bone show will still be there for you. We are making sure of that. So, and Because I can record, I'll still be putting out podcast content and just trying to get through this with y'all. So thank you for listening to me rample for like, I don't know, 16, 17 minutes now. Um, I'll leave you with just another piece, another encouragement or kind of like (laughs) drilling this in that we've got to look out for other people that can't. Help themselves right now. So whatever that looks like for you and your community, in your neighborhood, in your circle, people online, e- even if it's from a distance, like what can you do to spread some joy, to be pimp and joy during this time on somebody in your life? Which pimp and joy is all about choosing joy for yourself, even in this crazy time. It's about spreading joy to others any way that you can, and um, we can do that, and we can come out of this stronger. So, uh, with that said. Here is my intro with Lisa that I recorded a week ago, (laughs) and I hope y'all are just, you know, having a great day, as great as it can be. Okay, bye. Let me tell you about this 100% Mongolian cashmere sweater that I got for $50. I ordered it in navy, the crew neck style, and it is perfect. I wore it with jeans and heels to work, and then later in the day, threw on sneakers, and it was a simple outfit that got so many compliments. And something like this exists thanks to Quince. I already have the ivory color in my cart for my next order which by the way i never thought i would own anything cashmere before but since all quince items are priced 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands it's doable now they also have organic cotton sweaters washable silk tops timeless 14 karat gold jewelry and so much more that you need to check out for yourself and here's how they do it they partner directly with top factories quince cuts out the middleman and passes the savings on to us So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Amy to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Amy.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything, for every passenger, feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu.
2: Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service,
1: Laugh a lot. Ek ek be kind. Laugh a lot. Casserole things. Little food for your soul things. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful things. Laugh a little more things. Tight, tighten up because core things. Say ek ek, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown.
0: Okay, happy Thursday. It's It's Four Things with Amy Brown, but I have Lisa here with me (laughs) at the Well Necessities. She's been on the podcast before as one of the things uh, multiple times. And typically the podcast is four things. Sometimes it's four things with an interview with somebody or it's four totally random things or whatever. Right now we're going to interrupt our regularly scheduled four things uh, layout and there's not going to be four things. This is just going to be one thing. Plot twist, one thing. thing. So as you may know from listening to the podcast, Lisa and I are working on a special series that's going to live here on four things that uh, will come out on Saturdays starting April 1st or April 2nd, the first Saturday in April, April 2nd, 3rd, 4th. Let me look at a calendar. The first week in April. It's Saturday, April 4th. If you subscribe to to this podcast, Four Things with Amy Brown, it will appear on your phone magically because you already subscribed. So if you haven't subscribed, make sure you are if you would like to be in on what we're doing and you don't want to miss it. And I've told you before in the podcast, we were calling it The Gray Area. It's a podcast series about disordered eating. And we thought The Gray Area was fitting because we kind of were discussing a lot of things where people don't really know where they fall. They don't feel like they have this full-blown
3: eating disorder situation, but they do have stuff that's going on. Or they might not know. They're silently suffering because nobody's ever said, hey, that behavior is disordered. Yes. And their thoughts of food are, you know,
0: consuming them or they're missing out on a social life because, mm-hmm. and they might have thought, oh, was, I guess me skipping that party isn't that big of a deal. But when you really dig into why did you skip it and why are you staying home and why are you isolating yourself, mm-hmm when you really break it down, it could be because fear of what you may encounter at the party, food wise or drink wise or whatever. So we're, Lisa is in town from New York and she's in Nashville and we're building the series in two days. So we've been working (laughs) nonstop and we had one of our guests booked, um, is this woman, Catherine Defada out of Nashville. And she came up here and she's our only guest that was in person. And also it makes me wonder about how just interviews having someone face to face definitely makes it very different. But we just wrapped our interview with her and it was longer than we planned. Like the, well, because we have so much going on in each episode for this series that's now called outweigh. Yes.
3: Yeah, so I typically outweigh is going to be personal stories from real people and insights from qualified experts to show you that a life without disordered eating outweighs everything. And that achieving it is in fact possible. Boom, there's our long tagline.
0: So we we had people on for Outway. You heard Lisa reference it as Outway. I think I mentioned it was going to be the gray area, but now that was t- that name was taken. Yeah. So we decided to go with Outway. Lisa, do you want to talk about Outway?
3: Yeah, why you went with that? So Outway. I mean, I think it it's, it stands for a lot, and the most important thing is that a life without disordered eating outweighs all the things you do and you think that are keeping you safe when you are disordered eating, or as I often say, disordered living. And the most important thing that Amy and I strive to do is to help you feel and what we wish we had was to feel less alone and to remove shame away from the things that we do in secret or silently so that we can begin our own healing journey. So a normal episode of Outway is going to include real stories from real people experts coming on to share some tools and tips um, interweaved with some of mine and Amy's story organically showing up. Right, and different topics we feel are important
0: to discuss. Like we are thinking like, oh, this is something we, and we've, we're building the episodes right now trying to make sure we match content so that it all flows and makes sense. And one of our experts was Catherine, who I mentioned. And she just left and Lisa and I are like, that was so good. What do we do with that? Because it's almost its own episode. But for the series for so long, we've, and we've been working hard on building out these four episodes that we didn't feel like. packed with different content. Packed with, yeah, a lot of different content that we were like, well, do we make it a bonus episode? And then Lisa said, how about we just make it part of your four things? And I was like, no, mm -mm, it doesn't work. And then like, I just wasn't fully paying attention to what you're saying. And I was like, wait a second, it's my podcast. And actually, is living on four things. So this could kind of just be a way that we introduce a really powerful conversation about this important topic of eating disorders and disordered eating. So uh, this is where we're going to put it. And so this is like Lisa and I's way of also just giving you um, a peek inside of, of what's to come but in a longer interview with this expert and I we didn't even know honestly where it was going to go and I ended up sharing something that I didn't know for sure if I would share how I would share it I I haven't shared with that many people at all so I um I got into that with her and she's a therapist so it's basically like it's pretty huge I felt like I just had my Little therapy session. It wasn't so little. It was pretty profound. Okay. Or a, a more profound therapy session. And Lisa and I just hope that even if you haven't dealt with what we're going to dive into, maybe you know someone who has, or you'll learn if you do encounter somebody, or how to just, how we need to just interact as a society. How we need to talk to people, and we'll address a little bit of that with Catherine. But for sure, in the series, it's going to come up quite a bit because um, you never know how someone's internally struggling because on the outside they can look one way, and on the inside there could be a lot happening. And you, as a person, don't you? We don't want to feed into that,
3: right? And because this is a. a- a little bit atypical of what outweigh will look like. This still will contain information and some details about eating disorders. So we do just want to give a trigger warning, a content warning that um, in this episode coming up, there will be specific details shared. Please be advised that this content may not be for everybody, especially if you're currently in the throes of recovery. Mm-hmm. So please keep that in mind before moving forward to listen yeah. to what we're about to share. And
0: I think that That'll probably we'll share that at the beginning of of every episode in the series. Again, they'll load up on Saturdays, every Saturday in April. I think at the end of the March, end of March, you'll, you might get a trailer that shows up, mm-hmm. some fancy trailer that we're working on, it's scripted. <laughs> we worked on it really hard, um, try, try to get it just right so we could sound super professional because uh, that's us. Hi. <laughs> I'm Amy.
3: I'm Lisa. Yeah.
0: And then, uh, so right now, this is what Four Things is going to be today, is this one thing, this interview with uh, Catherine. But really, we hope that um, it opens that conversation, opens the dialogue, and lets you into what we, we plan on uncovering yeah. uh, in way in April. And then I think I said, you know, you may not struggle with it. Uh, but you can use the tools to just, like, help you in life. But maybe if you know somebody else that needs to listen to this that doesn't subscribe or doesn't know who I am or Lisa is, um, you know, find an appropriate way to see if they could listen. It could be helpful. But I don't know, Lisa, what would you say for people that want to share this Series with people without it coming
3: across as offensive or. Um, like, I think we can all better learn about other humans and what they're going through by understanding something that we might not think we relate to. Like when we read a fiction book, we're learning about other people's experiences that we might not struggle with. So I don't think, even necessarily, of course, if you know someone struggling, I think it's great to just share, wow, check out this amazing podcast. They're talking about things I didn't know existed before. Or, um, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you know, if 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 I think your question was, how can you share it with somebody? Who's right, because I'm I'm
0: picturing someone being like, I'm trying to prevent someone just thinking they mean no harm, uh-huh. and you know, sending this episode or this series, like, mm-hmm. hey, um, I notice, and it's like in a, not in a very thoughtful way, right? Um, but being, but meaning no harm, right, exactly. But sending it and then someone being offended, like, what are you? And then so they might it might scare them off from yeah. it for a
3: second, or, exactly, or feel defensive. Defensive. Yes. That's. Yeah. So I think just, you know, while this amazing series is coming out, they're talking about things I didn't know existed before. They're tapping into things that a lot of women and men are going through, but haven't spoken about yet. I think you'd find this really interesting. Okay. Well, so here is uh, something that was
0: originally intended for the the Saturday series called That Way, but we're putting it in here now because it's definitely sort of just became its own. It deserved its own space. So, thank you, Catherine, for coming on. And um, if y'all have emails for us or you want to send DMs, Lisa is at the Well Necessities on Instagram, and I'm at Radio Amy. And then you can always send notes to Four Things with Amy Brown at gmail.com. And if
3: you like it, get hyped, share it on Instagram. Use that hashtag Outway, and we'll be sure to spread the love. Yeah, get screenshot for what's the hat. From. Um,
0: Screenshot if you're listening and post it and tag us. We love to see that, and we hope that we accomplish what we
3: need mm-hmm. to accomplish.
0: Which really, our main goal is people, for people to not feel alone yep. and to not feel shame. Yep. Which, speaking of shame, that comes up in our talk with Catherine big time because yep. I realized that I was, I, I'm still dealing with that. Hey, so
3: really proud that you shared what you're about to share with everyone else. Thank you, Lisa. Um, I all right. feel the cathartic release. Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> okay, so um, here's our talk with Catherine. And I guess, again, since this isn't the typical traditional four things episode, there's not going to be an outro. It'll just I end. And um, I'll see you next week with four things, I promise. Since I know you're all like, wait, what? <laughs> I ca- we totally just called an audible here. But... <laughs> We hope you enjoy it. Here's here's our talk with Catherine. So we've got Catherine Defada in the studio with us. So you're a guest that's actually here in person. A lot of our interviews have been over the phone just because of where people are in the country, but you're right here in Nashville with us, which is yeah. super cool. And you're a therapist here in town, but you specialize in eating disorders. I do. And so I talked about it on the podcast and you listened to four things with Amy Brown and you sent me a note and said that if you could be a part of it, just let you know. And we started emailing back and forth and I was like, yes, can you come into the studio and And let's record some stuff. So uh, just before we hit record, we were having an off-air conversation about eating disorder being an addiction. Mm -hmm. And when I'm trying to talk to my husband about it or when I was eating a lot and I just felt like I couldn't stop and he didn't understand, I would say, and I don't know if I was right in how I was saying it at all, but to me it felt like, I was like, I don't know. It's like an alcoholic can't stop drinking. I was like, but... You can take alcohol out of your life and survive. Like with food, I can't eliminate food from my life because you need food to survive. I just remember that being like some language I would throw out. I'm sure I heard it somewhere. (laughs) But that's, I mean, that's comparing. Alcoholism is seen as as an addiction. Yeah.
4: So one of the things that you asked me was, what's the difference between self-work and therapy with an actual therapist? And I thought about it and I actually like had a different answer. And then I was like, that's not right. The difference is the relationship and the relationship between a therapist and a client is like the number one predictor of if it's going to be successful. Like if you hate your therapist, you probably won't get a lot done. So that goes into just attachment theory and and what that means. And do you guys know what that is? No. No. Attachment theory comes from this guy. His name is John Bowlby and he was doing research in orphanages and he was noticing that like these babies that were getting everything that they needed, like Shelter, food, water. They were dying or they were getting really, really sick. But there was no reason for it except they weren't being touched. So there's no touch at all, which is crazy. And what he came up was that a relationship is necessary to survive. He did a lot of research and there's a lot of stuff that I won't go into because it might be a little bit boring. But he came up with these three attachment styles, secure, anxious, avoidant. And we get those attachment styles based on... The relationships we usually have with our primary caregiver. So if I have a really great loving environment and all my needs are met all the time, I'm going to have a secure attachment. But And that's the majority of people but also I see it as on a spectrum too. The majority of people do have a secure yes. relationship? Yeah, that's what they say in the research. Yeah. But are yeah. using air quotes, like, doing that air quotes and they can't see. see. Yeah. That's what they say. However, I think really people are on a spectrum with this. So, and then anxious attachment would be when sometimes their needs are being met, sometimes they're not. And so you don't know whether to trust or not to trust. And then avoidant is when your needs aren't really being met. And so you kind of develop this idea of like, I got to go do everything on my own. Like I got to go figure everything out on my own.
0: Okay, I'm going to interject just a second because I do have two adopted children from Haiti. And some people may know that, some people may not, depending on what they've listened to. And I had not, heard it described as attachment theory Mm -hmm. but I know that my kids and I've witnessed it they have attachment disorder yes okay and the lack of stimulation Mm -hmm. that my son had I now see how it comes out in certain times like how Mm -hmm. he responds and reacts and then even my daughter I'm just this is just is this even yeah. the same thing? Yes, like the yeah, ta- yeah. okay, so I'm just making sure we're on the same page cuz I also want to be aware of like now that I'm what their primary caregiver, that I'm focused on whatever they're going to need from me, mm-hmm. but there's already walls built. There's already mm-hmm. my daughter came here at 10. She's mm-hmm. 12 now, but day one from her arrival was resistance. I can handle this on my own. I don't need you. She would basically give us the Heisman. Any time I mean, it's been two years of breaking it down and we're finally getting there, but they're still testing yeah. like I don't really trust you. Mm-hmm. Are you going to really love me? Mm-hmm. What about if I do this? You still yes. gonna love me? What if I okay, I'm going to try this out. And so my husband and I just have to remain consistent. And so, yes, at first when you talked about attachment theory, I was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, but yes, I do. Then I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I do know this. But I'm also trying to think of my childhood and how it was with That's,
4: my parents. Yeah. That's where it parents. me. I'm so think like, about wow. this. You've talked about your own like issues with food and disordered eating and all of that. I have that. So think about, as I explain this, kind of where your story pops up also this is going to be helpful because you're probably doing the things you need to do with your children without even knowing that you're doing them just because you're a good caring person so you can develop a certain attachment style good news is it's not static it's fluid so going back to just describing this and how it relates to what we were talking about in the beginning is people develop these attachments and they're all based on feeling like loved it like you belong And so I have developed my own theory that we all are born with these two desires to be ourselves and then to have love and belonging. And throughout our lives, the desire for love and belonging becomes very, 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 very strong. And so we drop parts of ourselves or we pick parts of ourselves or pick things up that aren't really parts of ourselves to get that love and belonging. And so that's when the addiction comes in. I'll use an example from my life to explain this. So I never felt like I like really, really, really fit in to, or had like a thing, or was special in certain parts of my friend groups, in certain areas in my family, and so I started to do things to get me attention. I attributed that attention to love, right? I always say like any attention is good attention. So going back to what you said, what's the difference between therapy and self work? Is a therapist is what we call a secure base, which helps somebody develop. A secure attachment style so somebody's going to come into my office probably not knowing that they have any of this or any kind of trauma i'm going to be that person like you were explaining with your daughter what if i do this will you still love me what if i yell at you can i still come back what if i miss a session what if i tell you that you're wrong what if i disagree with you um, what if i act out what if i relapse in what you told me not to do are you still going to let me come back in and the answer is always yes yes Yes, with safe boundaries. And it helps them learn that like, hey, I don't have to be a certain way. I can show up as I am and like I can find love.
0: So when you say you were doing things to get attention, Mm -hmm. what were those things? So it depends on which part of my
4: life. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the eating (laughs) eating disorder. disorder. So in college, yeah, it's easy for me to talk about this now. I didn't know that this was happening. No clue, which most people don't. But I started with a diet, counting calories. And again, in my family, all my siblings went and played D1 sports and I just like went to college. And so I felt like I was missing something because I didn't have anything that my parents would really brag that much about. No fault to them. My parents are great. And so I went on this diet, started losing all this weight. I was getting tons of attention, like tons. You look so good. This this whatever, guys like started talking to me more. And so I attribute that to that of like, okay, now I fit in. Now I belong. Belonging is love. I'm good. And then I became a shell of a human. Tap into
0: that a little bit more. What were you feeling at that time? Like what, I mean, first you're yeah. on a high. Well, what does it mean to
3: be a shell? Cause you're yeah. certainly yeah. not a shell today. You right. come right. in with vibrance and exude. Yeah.
0: You're radiant. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just so that people, cause really yeah. we're doing this so people don't feel alone. And I feel yeah. like with each person that's sharing part of their real story,
4: which you just did, somebody's, Relating and they're like wait tell me more. Yeah, I would say people would always describe me as like loud and bubbly and like fun I'm a seven on the Enneagram. Yeah, so that which I didn't know what the Enneagram was back then So that's how I always was so when I started restricting my food I ended up restricting every single part of my life Because I couldn't go to that party because what if I drank alcohol and there's calories in alcohol and then what if I got drunk? And then I wanted to eat something and I ate something I shouldn't eat that crippled me, or I can't go to that that restaurant because I can't eat anything there. Then people are going to ask me, like, why aren't you eating? And I'm going to have to come up with some excuse, or I can't go to that thing at night because I have to get up and work out at 6 a.m., and I need my energy. And so I started cutting things out of my life. I remember, so this started my junior year of college, that summer, junior to senior year. I, like, never left my parents' house when I came home, and I never saw any of my friends from high school, which we were always very close I remember I did one thing. I went to my best friend from high school's birthday party and then started at her house and they all went out. I think it might've been her 21st birthday. And I went home after her house. Everybody else went out and I went home because I was like, I can't do that. So the thing that got me all this attention all of a sudden, then I was like, what's the point of the attention? Because I'm not letting myself engage with anybody. And then I came back that next year, my senior year, and I didn't do anything. Like, didn't go, I was in a sorority. I like would skip some of our date parties or I would go. I remember- One time I also like was really into school, but I like went to a party. It was a swap. So it's one that you would like dress up like and wear a costume. And I like loved doing that. And I, like, took my note cards to the bar and, like, study for my test.
3: You just, like, withdrew and lost interest in all the things that you love to do. Mm
4: -hmm. My friends did not love that.
3: So that's a
0: part where Mm -hmm. that's just part of your story Mm -hmm. of what you did to get attention, to feel belonging. But then you realize, like, it's kind of like it goes up, up, up. And it's like, this is where I'm getting belonging and love. And then all of a sudden you just, it's like we just, I think it happened to all of us. And you crash Mm -hmm. and burn because you realize you have nothing around you. And what is this for? Yeah. So then what do you do?
4: Well, and I love looking back at this because I don't know y'all's experiences, but from my experience, I had no clue that I was struggling. So like not a clue. I thought I was like on top of the world. Like this actually makes me want to cry. But my senior year, I thought that I was killing it. Like I'd gotten into all these graduate programs. I was like, going to go do all these things. And looking back, like another thing I did that I'm have so much grief over is I skipped my last date party ever to come back to Nashville and run the half marathon. I can run that marathon whenever I want. I can never go back and have my last party with my best friends. I did not know that I, I still was like, yeah, I'd rather go run this marathon. This is my lifestyle. I'm healthy. I don't like to drink. Mm-hmm. Almost like this grandiose sense of self. Mm-hmm. The but healthy pre- eating yeah. high that horse. That was so yes. us. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Coming up. For yeah. Oh my gosh. All. And I job. probably was judgy. I was a brat. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Like <laughs> <A laughs> probably yeah. yeah. Because Me I would too. judge what people are eat. You're gonna eat that, and I'm like in my head. I wish I could eat that. Like I wish I could eat that. But I have eating disorders. We talk a lot about how you have so much control. I had no control none
3: right well it was like not like I could eat that like wow look at me I have so much willpower for not eating that yeah but I don't really think I did have willpower cause if I had willpower I would eat a donut but that's what people would say to
4: me i like I wish I could be like Catherine mm-hmm. I'm like you don't want to be like me
0: yeah I know because they don't really know the struggle. That's why it's important. And we'll reiterate it now since it's kind of coming up. That's why it's important. You never know what's going on inside someone's body. You might think it's all they've got it all figured out and their life is together. And then you can reinforce their behavior by complimenting something about their body. And then that keeps them on that hamster Mm -hmm. wheel and really you have no idea you contributed to the problem just by giving a compliment. We've been trying to just get it into people and even myself over and over to stop complimenting on people's bodies. There's so many other
4: things that we could probably compliment that like do that's not necessary. Can I tell a story real quick? So this is why I started to look at before I really got into being like a eating disorder therapist. This is like, I have shame about this now, but again, I'm trying to not have that. I went to grad school, I went to Vanderbilt and Nashville and thinking I was going to be eating disorder therapist and guess what I wanted to specialize in? I wanted to work with specifically binge eating disorder and help them lose weight. Which is not how you do... That's not... Well, okay. I could understand not understanding. Not understanding. Yes. Now yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. Maybe so, explain why
0: though that... That wouldn't be... Yeah, that may not... Go hand in, hand. in hand. Yeah, because okay. I know more of that because I've been doing... I've been working alongside people like... Yeah. He says where y'all understand why that would be bad, but someone else might not get why that's
4: right. probably not like the best thing. So it's not about the weight. And so with binge eating disorder there's something else going on and if I help them lose weight their issues aren't going away like the reason that they're binging which would be the reason why any of us do a behavior that we would classify as an addiction it's not about the alcohol it's not about the food it's not about any of that it's about what's underneath of it and so yeah it might be a side effect that if these people do the work and I help them through whatever it is that they're trying to work through they might lose weight but that's not the goal because if i just take the weight away, everything else is still there. And
3: most people that are in it don't see it as a underlying problem, like they see it as either a binge problem, yeah. i can't stop when i eat, or they see it as a weight problem, i'm overweight because i eat, mm-hmm. not going any deeper yeah. into why. Do you think
0: that there's anything to the the binging and it being like in the brain? We've touched on brain over binge. But there's there's obviously with what you're saying with the addiction at all coming back to attachment and love, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like all goes back to some of that mm-hmm. in a way. But for me, I mean, I know that I had issues with my dad leaving when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that I also was introduced to dieting at an extremely young age. And I know when I started dieting and then that led to restriction and binging. But I didn't really realize I was binging at the time. Because right. I didn't know really. I mean, it's in high school. But then I knew I would overeat, so then I would purge. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't all of the time, but I knew that it was wrong. Even so that I went to my mom and said, I need help, I'm throwing up, and I don't know where this came from or why. But I I need help with this. So then she got me into therapy, and then that led to therapy all through high school and college, but it was always just focused on my dad having left. Mm -hmm. Nothing ever resonated with me. And then I quit throwing up for years but what I realized in there is I was still binging the whole time but again I knew that it was not right because I was like I just went to literally like four different fast food restaurants in like one stop like that's not normal mm-hmm. so or if I was on a road trip somewhere I would stop at like multiple gas stations and like just eat the entire two hours if the that was my drive from Austin to College Station mm-hmm. which is where I went to Texas A&M. So I remember a lot of those road trips was I ate the entire time, whether it was a gas station, Sonic, like I had different stops and I would just go through and be like, okay. And then the next day I would just do Slim Fast or something. But it never, I was still in therapy at that point, but it never was getting anywhere other than somehow I just stopped the throwing up and it was gone, but I kept the binging. And then when I read Brain Over Binge, I've been telling Lisa, like it just made sense to me. Mm -hmm. She talks about rewiring your brain and that you just go to a binge and you have to start denying the binges because I started restricting at such a young age. It trained my brain that I didn't know when I was going to get food again. So it kept forcing me to overeat and then I would binge. And so I started implementing that over a year ago and that worked for me. And that was the first thing where it really made sense. Now, I'm sure there's underlying issues with what's going on, but I do want to talk to you about how that worked for me But about five years ago when my mom died, even though I had not purged in 12 years, I had binged, but not purged the day after my mom died, I ate dinner and then I had to go throw it up. Mm -hmm. And I literally, and it was not an easy thing. It was my sister's birthday the day after my mom died and her in-laws decided to get a food truck. And we had, I mean, otherwise, I mean, there's food at the house everywhere, but we just were not eating. But then it was like my sister's birthday. So I felt like I had to eat from the food truck and I had to eat the cake. So I ate it. And then something about me, literally, and there were so many people at my sister's house. I went over to a neighbor's guest house and I threw up in their bathroom. Mm. (laughs) Like it wasn't easy for me to like make this happen. But somehow I I was desperate to get that food out of my body. And I hadn't even overeaten. But, and that started it again, just like that, it was back. And I probably it was a daily thing then it was like every other day then it was like and Isn't now it
3: sound now that you know you've brought up that it's, eating disorders can be addictions it sounds like An alcoholic returning to alcohol. Yes. Where all of a sudden you need that, whatever, and you go and find it and then, okay, I'll just do it this one time. And then you slowly kind of trickle back into the same thing. Okay. But I don't
0: even know that that I was like, I felt like it was an out of body
3: experience when I was doing it. I don't think I had the
0: rational rationale to be like, okay, it's just going to be this one time. I was just like, I did it. And then I was like, what was that? And I was so freaked out by it that just like I went to my mom in high school, I went to my husband almost immediately. And I'm like, here's the deal you've been married to me and I haven't thrown up our entire marriage. So you don't know this side of me, but now I'm terrified and it's here. And I feel like an alcoholic that has just lost their chip. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I said to him. And he was like, okay, well, we can do this. Like whatever you need. And I would say there was a lot of times where after, I mean, he would come home and he'd be like, how was your day? And I would be like, even a year after my mom died or two years, Mm -hmm. there would still be discussions. How was your day? I'd say my day was fine, except for I threw up. -hmm. You know, and I would be able, I'm thankful for a relationship where I could be honest with him about that, but I still was so perplexed why it was happening. And now I've been over a year without anything, binges or purges. Mm -hmm. So I feel that, but I have to share with you a revelation I had with Lisa, but I don't even know if it makes sense. And since you're a therapist, I'm going to take advantage. (laughs) Do I need to pay you for the hour? (laughs) I I told Lisa, I said, it just didn't. I went to therapy. Obviously I did EMDR after my mom died because it's very traumatic for me. Mm -hmm. She did not die. It was not easy. She had cancer. I saw a lot that I I shouldn't see Mm -hmm. and laid with her in her final breath. Me and my sister both. And then, I don't know if this is healthy or not, but we probably laid with her for about an hour after that. <laughs> <laughs> the corner people were like, oh, uh, we're here. Time <laughs> to load know, her up. Either. And we're like, we're not done yet. Oh. So, you know, it, whatever that looks like for you, mm-hmm. it, that's what we needed. But we definitely, my sister and I both saw a lot. And it was traumatic. And then, you know, here I am the next day throwing up the food and I'm not knowing why and I'm telling this to my therapist. And she's like, well that's trauma. And the last trauma you had in your life was when your dad left. And that was when your younger eating disorder kind of started. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, not exactly. But I just couldn't wrap my head around the fact that like, that would just make me do it. But then I had this thought, because I think something Lisa talked about, or somebody talked about, that like, I really felt because I was grieving and this also could be related to attention since you said that. Mm-hmm. And this is just me having to get completely honest and almost like embarrassed that like, what? Because it's not like it was a very conscious thought out decision. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I need attention. So this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. This is almost like five years later I'm just having to look back and be like, oh, yuck. Was that really what this was? Because what makes sense to me now is that I felt like I was grieving, and if you're grieving, you're supposed to lose weight. If you're grieving, you're not supposed to have food because you're sad, and sad people don't eat, and sad people get skinny. And if I get skinny, I get attention, which is exactly what happened. I mean, there was not a single person in my life that did not comment on my body like about a month after my mom died because I did get very thin, and I would weigh myself every single day. Mm -hmm. I would drink juice in the morning, purge, whatever. I would do yoga twice a day. Also, I was trying to keep busy to not think about my mom. I would do wine and Xanax for bed so it would knock me out and I wouldn't think about food. And I would but nobody knew this was happening to me. But I would still come to work the next day and someone from would be visiting from, you know, another city that hadn't seen me in a while and be like, "Oh my gosh, Amy, you look so good." And then I'd be like, "Thank you." And then but I would be like, "Yes, I'm grieving." <laughs> I'm doing a good job grieving. I'm doing a good job grieving because I lost my mom and I needed to recognize that I'm sad. My skinny represents my sadness and that gives me attention. Yeah. Sounds very twisted and messed up to say out loud. I I feel that makes more sense to me than when the therapist told me she thought like a trauma capsule opened in my head and because that's how I dealt with my dad leaving that's immediately the route my 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 brain was going to go to deal with losing my mom and I just don't know that yeah, that, that makes fits. sense to me thank you for sharing that
4: <laughs> I think it, your therapist could be right there part of it could be this is the thing with therapy and like men there's no just like one way so that's why I mean eating disorders and addiction in general is hard because I can't just say it's every time because of this a lot of times it's because of this there could have been the trauma part but I think what you're talking about is probably attached to your trauma of not getting the attention and the love and the belonging from your dad. And then now this is like your mom, your secure base, right? Mm -hmm. Your person. Mm -hmm. And then she's gone and then like, who's my person and who's going to recognize or who's going to know what I need or who's going to, all of that comes up of like, you lost your secure base. So what do I do? You're sad, right? Part of it is I hear you saying like, I want people to see my sadness. I think part of it also is like, I don't want to feel sad either. And so what can I do to shove down all of these feelings? Because it feels good when I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. It's as twisted as it is. Like, it feels good to purge. It feels good to go on a run for two hours. It feels for a
3: period of time. It feels time, good to even just binge. It feels That's, good to binge. Oh, exactly. yeah. it was, yeah. for a period until it of, doesn't.
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah, until
0: it doesn't. And <laughs> yeah. at the beginning, yes, it was like this high in this ride and until it got messy and it was just exhausting and I was like I can't keep up or if I would try to throw up and it didn't work and I was like oh my gosh I just ate all that food like Can I and ask it's you not
4: coming up like it was just tell me about like the embarrassment of like this is so messed up I feel embarrassed that this is what I did
0: I think because I could be wrong on this but if we're for the sake of our conversation of viewing uh, eating disorder as an addiction and alcohol as addiction I feel like for lack of a better word, being addicted to cocaine or alcohol is a little more sexy. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the right word. For the sake of this, I'm just going to say, binging a bunch of food Mm -hmm. and then throwing it up for whatever the reason is, is disgusting. To me, I'm never, I don't look at, and it could just be me thinking that about myself. I'm not saying that about anybody else. I'm saying it literally about myself. I'm sure there's shame associated with anything that you're addicted to, but I feel like, gosh, if I was addicted to cocaine, nobody would be like, oh, you're disgusting. They'd be like, oh, wow, that's crazy. She needs to get some help. But I'm like, if they knew what I was addicted to and that I was doing this, they'd be like, she's so disgusting. So that's my own
3: thought process is it's not as... You putting it out here right now on this is breaking down that factor of shame. And I think like even on Instagram like anxiety became so popular to talk about but like depression was in the cloud of like this shit thing you can't talk about and I recently talked about something that I never said either which was laxative abuse and flooded with messages not comments on my private on my public Instagram page private messages of me too so there is something super secretive still about the purging whether it is up or down that people are still not acknowledging, but you right here saying it is showing that there is no disgust to it. There is no shame, especially you as Amy Brown. Right. Cause yeah. I wouldn't want anybody
0: else sharing to, feel, I would say that same thing to them. I'm but we're just, breaking it down. You bre- just broke
3: it down yeah. for so, so many people.
0: I'm becoming more vocal about my story. I think that on the radio years ago, it maybe come up that I had dealt with an eating disorder mm-hmm. in high school and college. It was kind of like I could relate on that level. Never would talk about the issues with food or binging or obsession, food obsession Mm -hmm. for all these years. That just doesn't come up organically. Mm -hmm. Then after the stuff with my mom, oh my gosh, I kept, I mean, I told my husband about it, but I was very private about it. Like very until now recently, I feel like I'm in a better place and I don't want people to feel alone and I need to start, sharing that part of my story so a lot of things I haven't said out loud yet like what I just shared I haven't fully said out loud in the whole in its entirety and so and I I don't even I'm still probably not all giving it all I feel good I mean I feel like I've been like there's a couple times where I'm like okay smiling inside because it does feel good there's a little bit of a yeah. high from it yeah but also I was at a low where I was taken back to it and I was very sad for myself and I was about to cry but trying to keep it together for the sake yeah. of the being one of the hosts here <laughs> but in crying's okay I have no issue crying on air done that plenty of times so I'm, I'm sad for that's that part of
4: me I want to tell you a story. Okay. One, I have to say this because this is huge. This is a side note. But when people talk about this stuff, I mean, what you were saying, it is huge because, yeah, people will talk about anorexia and restricting Uh and my exercise addiction. They won't talk about the other stuff. And it's not any better at all. And what you're talking about is shame. I feel shame for what I did. And what shame feeds off of is your silence in secrets. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about it more, the shame get, kind of gets you starve the shame. So the shame dies. That's so true, And so that's a big deal because I'm sure there's one million bajillion trillion people that are going to hear that and be like, oh, my gosh, I felt that way, too. Is it OK for me to talk about this? I think I'm going to try it. The other part is, this is the story I was going to tell 15 minutes ago, but I'm glad I'm telling it now because there's this doctor, his name is Dr. Gabor Mate, and he does a lot of research and stuff around addiction. He was working with heroin addicts and he was trying to figure out, he was working in a center where harm reduction, so it's like, we're not going to, you're not going to get sober. We're going to teach you how to responsibly use. Mm -hmm. But he was going around and interviewing these men and women of like, why, are you, why do you use heroin? We know that's bad. We know that can kill you. And he went to this one guy and he described him, the way I remember him describing him is as this like, almost like he would look like a big bouncer at like a club with like bald head, big guy tattoos, like tough. And he said, can you tell me what heroin does for you? Like, why do you use it? And he said, I don't really know how to describe it, but have you ever been sick? And your mom puts you on her lap and she wraps you up in a blanket and she starts feeding you chicken noodle soup. He was like, that's what heroin feels like. So this guy concluded, oh, love. Like that's what heroin feels like, love. It feels like a warm hug. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I tell that story because like there is so much shame and like, why do I do these things that are so bad? And I'm like, what's wrong with me is what I hear all the time. Like, Catherine, what is wrong with me? And I'm like, nothing is wrong with you there's actually something right with you. Like Amy, there is something right with you. The fact that you are like, there's something wrong with me. I want to feel better. I need to go do this thing that I know that used to help me feel better. That means that there's something right with you that you are trying to find, like we all need attention. We all need love. We all need belonging. We are born attached to our mothers. Like we need attachment. We are born that way. And so I just say that because I think a lot of people think to themselves, like what is wrong with me? Like, why can't I stop? It's like, because you're a healthy human that wants to get better. And thank God that you did that rather than like just being like take me away life. Like yeah, and you turn to your husband too, which is yeah. like
3: telling, I think, I mean I'm not feeling this, yeah. but no. like that's your secure attachment now. Can you say yeah. that? Can you? Have yeah. a secure With and it too? can be any it can be anybody. Yeah. That's your secure attachment. So it's like help me.
0: Well, thank you for letting me talk through that. Yeah. That session I feel like we just made a lot of clarity that it we needed Yeah. That. I didn't know where where we would go with that for sure but i think that this is how do you feel lisa do you have
3: anything you want to add from your i think that the audience will feel like i did where we might not have your exact story or maybe you do there's plenty of people who have have purged for that exact reason but i feel like i've made headway in my understanding of myself (laughs) far beyond my even years in therapy just Mm -hmm. by understanding the importance of secure attachment and personally not having that growing up either Mm -hmm. despite what it looked like yeah um and how we go about seeking attention because we're mm-hmm. scared. Not we don't feel safe. And there's a million ways to do that. But for a large majority of us, with the addition of the emphasis on thin equals loved equals health equals applause, mm-hmm. it's an easy one kind of right next to it.
0: Mm-hmm. So what do you do with your clients? Mm-hmm. What is something we can can leave as like is there like an activity or uh, like affirmations or something you encourage them to do that those that are listening that might be some of the stuff we've talked about today is resonating with them like is there like some stuff they can
4: like a piece of homework or something my gut says if this is really resonating with somebody I want them to reach out and go to therapy that could be great advice
0: (laughs) that might be it because some people see that there's shame in therapy and mm -hmm. we should make sure that we're here to say that there's not
3: there is nothing wrong with with that at all, whatsoever. And but. something that you say on your Instagram all the time that I am not a therapist, but I've been in <laughs> therapy my whole life is there doesn't have to, have to be something, something wrong with you. with you to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even if you don't identify with the purging or even an eating disorder and you're just listening to this, I mean, I have found that my most profoundly huge steps forward in mm-hmm. therapy have been on days where I didn't come discussing a trauma mm-hmm. or anything relevant to my life. I think it's just a tool to better get to know your total being. And that is profoundly huge in how it will affect everything in your life. What about a piece of homework for people um, that you had said earlier is, you know, which so second nature for us to comment on somebody's body. What are some things that people can maybe for the next week, work on, I believe in like human connection. I think Mm -hmm. the more we talk to people and out loud, the more connected we feel like being in an Uber even. And Mm -hmm. it's so easy to just be on your phone the whole time, but even interacting with an Uber driver or taxi driver, I live in the city. What are ways that people can compliment people this week? that are non appearance based. Yeah. How can we push them to talk to people and say things that they what are some some things we can say to start conversation with strangers or loved ones?
4: You know what I I want to come back this actually comes from your last week's episode. Um, what did Kelsey say about if you think it and it's nice say it oh if it's Mm -hmm. kind say it it's kind say it it. so just to clarify
0: since this is a completely this is a different series but and it's airing in April but I do have I had an interview back in March with Kelsey Ballerini on Mm -hmm. the 4 Things podcast so you're referencing something that's who said it just so that we were just talking about empowering women and Mm -hmm. Kelsey was just saying, you know, one thing I've learned is if it's kind, say it. Like, who cares if you know the person or if you don't know them, if it's kind, if you
4: think it, if you think it and it's kind, say Say it. it. That's exactly what she said. So I would say that with a caveat, if it's about the shape of their body. (laughs) So, um, because again, you never know if that is a point of contention for somebody. But I, one of the things that I've worked on because I actually am like a introverted extrovert, which doesn't make a lot of sense. I think um, I am too. Okay. Mm-hmm. So also. yeah, okay. We all are, <laughs> but like I sometimes don't, I like go into a place and I'll like think all these things about, I won't ever say anything because I'll just kind of keep to myself and wait for somebody to approach me. But I think something that we can work on is like when we see somebody and if we're just happy to see somebody say, it's good to see you. Like I've missed you means a lot to me. Or rather than being like, oh my God, girl, you look so good. You look so happy.
3: I think that a lot of the time when we do compliment somebody's weight or body change, it's because we've become so that this is an okay thing to say to somebody that you might not even know. Mm -hmm. And so you might actually be thinking this person looks happy. Yeah. But it's a weird thing to say, hey, girl, you look happy. So let me say, did you lose weight? Like, I think that. We actually are seeing Amy again. Going back to the radiance in people, but it might feel strange to say you look radiant because it's not a, a normal mm-hmm. exchange. Like you look good, right? Like, yeah. So I think diving into your psyche yeah. of okay, maybe you think this person looks good. That's the first thing. Why do they look good? What are they, they look good giving off? They're fitting the
0: standards
4: of what society yeah. tells us looks good. Yes. Because if society didn't say that, like, what would we think? Like. I always say we are the decider of our own opinions. So we get to actually decide that like, which a lot of people would be like, yeah, duh. But then I'm like, well, do you think that because the person next to you thinks that? Or do you think that because you really think that about yourself mm-hmm. or about other people? And I use the example of if I pulled out a peanut butter sandwich and started eating it and you were like, ew, peanut butter. But I'd be like, I don't like it anymore either. <laughs> it's the same thing as like, if somebody's like, I don't like your shirt. Like, yeah. well, I," you're allowed to still like it. If somebody thinks that you look
3: Whatever, you can still think you look good if society says that you are not. Right. We need to stop questioning ourselves based off of others' opinions, whether it's as profound as your body or insignificant as your shirt or peanut butter sandwich or peanut butter.
0: Catherine, thank you for coming to talk so with us. If you think it and it's
3: kind, say it, which <laughs> yeah. comes from both Catherine Doesn't and... Doesn't come from me. I can't take credit. Yeah, but Kelsey, yeah. Kelsey it said
0: it, but I don't that's know if the- she said it. She got it from somewhere. Yeah.
3: Or.
4: I always say, make it easy to be kind to yourself. So going along with that is like, make it easy to be kind to other people too. Like, mm-hmm. all you have to do is go up to somebody and say, hi, how are you? And you can start a conversation that could make somebody's day.
3: Exchanging a smile every now and then. Yeah, yeah. People oh. may not remember what you say, but they remember how you make them feel. Mm-hmm. Amen. Good one. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Catherine, let's throw out your Instagram. Yeah. You, so people can follow you. Can you say it real quick? Yeah. It's
4: at three chords therapy. So three is spelled like the word. T-H-R-E-E. T-h-r-e. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then my website is threechordstherapy.com too.
0: Perfect. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking yeah, yeah. time to talk Thank you. you. It was fun. <laughs> Be
1: kind. Choose joy. Laugh a lot. Be kind, kind. Choose joy. Laugh a lot. Cast up Little food for your soul. For your soul. Life. life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful. Laugh a little more. Laugh a little more. Tighten up your core Said EK You're kicking it with four things With Amy Brown Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
0: Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today, we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. Ikea knows that we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be the chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why Ikea makes affordable wardrobe organizers, under bed storage, and other solutions that help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit Ikea to explore more. You can't afford mess, so Ikea makes storage affordable. <sighs>
4: at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only,
2: exclusions apply. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History class. Let's go places.